0: Good evening, everyone. Good evening. Hi. Um, I'm Tracy Diamond, a programming assistant at the library. Uh, Thank you all for coming on this surprisingly gorgeous fall evening. Um, So, not every author can say that their novel has been Instagrammed by Lena Dunham and James Franco, Um, Rachel can. Um, she's also received her BFA in painting from the Rhode Island School of Design and MFA in creative writing from UMass Amherst. She is the author of the short story collection *Peon Water and a poetry collection called Moods, both fantastic. Um, tonight she's here to read from her new novel, Paulina and Fran, which is available from the Ivy Bookshop um, right in the hallway just outside the Poe Room. So please join me in welcoming Rachel Glazer. Hey, uh, thanks so much for having me. This library is really cool. There's a really cool shrine downstairs uh, near the women's room, if you haven't seen it yet. I want to examine it later. Um, So I'm going to read from chapter 2. And all you really need to know is that um, the two title characters, Pauline and Fran, they met, they saw each other on the dance floor of the chapter before. Um, And then they've both signed up to, for a school trip to Norway. They go to an art school. They're sophomores and, no, they're juniors. And um, at this point, they've had like, They've introduced themselves to each other, and they're on the airplane on the way to Norway. Very quickly, the girls formed a familiarity. Gretchen hated Paulina, Fran knew, but Gretchen felt far away. Paulina leaned her seat back, and Fran could hear the muffled protest of the person behind her. "'What do you think those suckers are doing back home?' Paulina asked." Being with their families. What would you regret if we died right now in a crash? Paulina asked. Fran looked far into the fabric of the seat in front of her. I guess I don't have enough good paintings for a solid in memoriam show, she said. But it doesn't really matter. It doesn't, Paulina said and laughed. Do you have a boyfriend? she asked. Fran thought instantly of Marvin but Marvin was not her boyfriend in any sense. Do you? Paulina stared into the paw- the dark w- window of the plane. Yeah, but I'm ending it. Who? Fran asked with increasing curiosity. Paulina leaned over and took out a sleep mask from her big leather purse. She pulled the mask on on top of her forehead, matting down her curls. I believe his name is Julian. Paulina said flatly is he printmaking asked Fran film but I've never seen anything he's made I think I had a class with him once an art history lecture does he have long scraggly hair I cut it Paulina said in the same emotionless way she slid her sleep mask over her eyes and said nothing for several hours In any foreign country, Paulina wanted to belong. She lagged a block behind the group. They trudged along, stopping at every museum in sight. They ate lunches on picnic tables, the boys all speaking their bad Norwegian. With disdain, Paulina watched as their accents spawned stupid personas. James was the worst offender. His persona had its own name, Gulltop, the name of the poor man he'd sat next to on the plane. James's Gulltop did a funny dance before and after meals and spoke only about fjords. In a tragic use of alphabetical order, Paulina was sentenced to room with Marissa, who spoke her thoughts freely and often, injuring Paulina with her exaggerated wonder. The first night Marissa gushed about Norway and Europe, the artists of the past, while Paulina listened to her earplugs expand. Paulina believed that only Fran deserved to be her friend. Fran, who sat hunched against the wall during art history lectures, who stared too long at birds and bugs and faraway noises, who played with her hair so incessantly that Paulina knew she would never pass a job interview. In a room of tapestries at the National Museum of Art, Paulina told Fran, I need to sleep with someone exciting. Ooh, like Nils? Paulina made a face. No, like a fucking Viking from the past. Fran laughed, avoiding the glance of the other person in the room an old man clutching a cane. The tapestries were all Viking scenes, tall ships slanting on the water, a sword fight inside a treasure cave. The details hurt Fran's head if she examined them too closely. Neat, narrow lines indicated light and shadow. The texture of the waves stood in stark contrast to the clouds, to the sails, the glint of the swords, the hair curling out of helmets. We could find someone like that, Fran said. Someone who holds a whole chicken in one hand and eats from it, said Paulina. And he's got long, blonde hair. Yeah, he does. His dick is enormous. Not enormous, but a good size and of good texture, said Fran. Snakeskin, asked Paulina. Velvet, said Fran. Fran. The old man left, and they were alone for the first time. How is his house decorated? With a single zebra-skin rug, Paulina said. What's his name? Bloodaxe, said Fran, reading the card on the wall. Perfect. And he's followed by a pack of animals, said Fran. He can take five puppies in his hand and squeeze them into a full-sized dog. His native tongue can't pronounce our names or his own name, Paulina said. He's killed men, but never a woman, Fran added. His torso has a lot of drama. What kind of drama, asked Fran, like scars and hair and muscles and things. Does he carry a bloody axe? Not these days, but once he did, Paulina said wistfully. They laughed. They strolled out of the museum and into the chilly air. They huddled for warmth. They lost the group. They posed with statues. They found their way. Norway was magnificent. Train rides along the fjords gave them clear views of vast, over-photographed glaciers. Though Paulina refused to mix, the others formed experimental social groups, sparked by an ambiguity as to who was cool. The students wandered around Oslo, clueless and buzzed. They had solemn moments in Norwegian history museums, face to face with an ancient gown or worn-down coin. Freed from Sadie and Allison, Paulina spent the long bus rides breaking down their personality flaws for Fran's Entertainment. Sadie was always bragging about her healthy, natural lifestyle choices, drinking only on weekends, never eating fried foods, but went to the tanning booths weekly and was always drenched in perfume. Sadie loved pictures of cats and dogs, but not the creatures themselves. She was always scolding Paulina for not recycling, as if she understood the earth's innermost perils. Paulina declared her incapable of intellectual thought. As for Allison, she had the bored look of a stranger on a bus, even when she was listening attentively. She took herself so seriously as an artist that Paulina felt embarrassed for her. She often had pimples and took no time to disguise them. The biggest problem was Allison's hair, which had neither the articulation of curls nor the sleekness of straight hair, and was thick like unprocessed wool. Paulina described the tedium of Julian, how he slumped around her apartment, oblivious to her other lovers. She criticized all the dull lovers of their school and the pretension rampant among the art history majors. There's an art history major, Fran asked. Paulina nodded. It's new. After finding art making meaningless, Paulina had begged the registrar to count her art history credits toward a major, eventually seducing him. During each of their nights together, she had discussed the benefits of an art history major so casually that even after her successful academic petition, he believed they thought of the idea together. After the first night of the trip, Paulina had convinced Fran's roommate, Angel, to trade rooms with her so that Paulina and Fran could room together. Fran understood that being this close with Paulina had its restrictions. She couldn't visibly socialize with the others on the trip, though everyone was very nice and always inviting her to hang out. Being with Paulina was like being under Soviet rule, she thought during a few outrageous moments, but it was worth it. At a dance club in Bergen, Paulina and Fran experienced the same fathomless fun they felt at the color club. Each moment they amazed themselves. In dancing they spread themselves and saw themselves in the reaction of those around them. We must be very beautiful to feel this beautiful, Fran thought. The pleasant shock of a new country made them feel they deserved it, that the earth swiveled to show them things. They drank and flirted with skinny Norwegian boys. They spent so much time together without getting sick of each other. It was inspiring. Paulina no longer needed Sadie or Allison. She envisioned herself and Fran socially dominating their small school. In good colors far in the future, she imagined them growing even more sophisticated and successful in lives abundant with luck and love, in L.A. or Paris, in short leather jackets. While Paulina deep-conditioned her hair Fran drank beers with James, Angel, and Marissa at a bar close to their hotel in Stravanger. "'Why do you hang out with that crazy bitch?' asked James. "'You should hang out with us.' The others nodded. "'She is dangerous and unpredictable,' Marissa hissed. "'Ask her about her semester at Smith sometime,' Angel said. "'Smith?' Paulina was a big lesbo at Smith, Angel said. She seduced every girl there, then got kicked out. Just when it seemed like Paulina could not be more interesting to Fran, something like this would emerge. Every girl? Practically. I'm serious. At least half of them. She told me about it when she transferred here. You roomed with her, Marissa asked. One semester. I have never met anyone with a higher opinion of herself. I had to convince her that she didn't deserve to use both closets, that I needed a closet too, even if my clothes weren't as special as hers. Fran was used to hearing Paulina criticized. Freshman year, Paulina had seduced Gretchen's high school boyfriend visiting from Northwestern. He'd gone to a party while Gretchen hot-glued cardboard for her foundation class. The boyfriend fell for Paulina, but Paulina refused to talk to him afterward. The boyfriend broke up with Gretchen, who was devastated and then obsessed. Vital parts of Gretchen had been destroyed, and she knew it, but couldn't repair herself. Oh my God, Angel said, look. A few feet away, Nils was flirting with the bartender, a woman with blonde hair and horse teeth. Do you think he's cute? I think he's so cute, Angel said. Nils took out a pencil and started to draw the waitress in his sketchbook. Fran shrugged. Generally speaking, Paulina and Fran felt grad students to be egomaniacs who had charmed themselves into a stupor. At school, the grad students all had small cells where they played artist, sitting in a chair from Superthrift, mulling over their lives, experimenting uselessly with video, reading online artist interviews. Their resumes hovered in their thoughts. They try too hard, Fran said. Grad students, I mean. Every grad student ta a class, sitting smugly in the back of the room, smoking theatrically outside the wood shop, talking too much about too many artists. Always the grad students were breaking up their long-distance relationships and partnering up with one another, fighting boredom with infatuation. Every year there was one grad who rose above this a girl who didn't just understand the undergrads but could rule over them. An artist would show up and inject dye into a fish tank filled with hair gel depicting the scene of Helen Keller and the water pump or make a video that wasn't lo-fi and self-reflective but instead brilliant. Nils was tattooed. He was okay. In the hotel elevator, he told Fran he liked her pheromones. The conversation veered from him to a grad Fran couldn't picture. She missed Paulina's cruel gaze. She tried to imagine the insults Paulina would whisper to her. Paulina might say Angel was a daft beast with a big crease. She'd once called James a dildo with eyes. A week into the trip, Angel had grown tired of Marissa and wanted to room with Fran again like she'd been assigned. Angel made it clear that she couldn't stand Paulina, but Paulina refused to leave and instead shared a bed with Fran in a Nordic sleepover. I actually fantasize about blood acts, Paulina told Fran. You do not. I do, said Paulina. So do I, Fran said. Who the hell is Bloodaxe? Angel asked from her bed. Just this guy we fucked, Paulina said. Thanks so much. Way to scare them away. <laughs> Does anyone have any questions they'd like to ask? Good evening. Hi. I saw you on this end. I saw listen the showcase, the library, and the part that get to me was on a school trip to Norway. Did you get your ideas from the experience? I've actually never been to Norway. Um, two of my friends went once, and they actually made up this ridiculous... Uh, well, Bloodaxe is this, like, ancient person, <laughs> but mm-hmm. they um, they just kept talking about him when they were in Norway, um, and then I ended up throwing it in with these characters I'd created. Is the other girl here this evening? Um, it was you, it's another lady, right? Oh, not supposed to be here, but... Oh, okay. Thank you. And how much is your book? Um, I think it's 15 bucks. Oh, that's cheap compared to the book that was coming in here with twenty-five dollars <laughs> That's very reasonable. <laughs> Will you do another novel? Um, maybe sometime, not for a long time. It took, it was like the, the longest I'd ever worked on a project, um, which was sort of fun in a way. It felt like I had these friends I created to hang out with, but um, these days I'm more into screenplays because it takes way less time and way less words, <laughs> but it's also like a full uh, narrative. Yeah, yeah. Before we, before we start, um, yeah. Um, writers, I mean, I look at too much You get up like two or three in the morning. If you have an idea. <laughs> uh, I think some of the ideas do come at night. Like it takes me a while to fall asleep, so sometimes I'll be like replaying a, like a narrative problem in my head. But it's normally like I'll write down like one line and then in the morning I'll try and do it. You you do it yeah but I used to I used to write mostly at night because if you do that then like your phone's not going to ring and like there's no news on you know it's like sort of like a dead time so I did used to do that for years and there's way less distractions I'd say <laughs> You're welcome. Um, I have a question about the way in which you move between different genres and you just said you're writing screenplays now but I'm I, th- I find it so interesting that you have a book of poems book of short stories and now the novel and I'm just wondering um how it feels to move between genres and like, have you ever started writing something and had it turn into a short story but you had thought it was gonna be a poem like that kind of yeah poem. definitely um yeah, I think it's just really fun to work in a medium that you either like haven't worked on before or like not in a while because I think there's just like less of an expectation um, for it to turn out a certain way. Like, um, But definitely now I think I'll get, you know, like maybe I'll make a joke and then I'll think, oh, I wonder if this could be a poem. And then maybe I'll start writing the poem and I'll think, huh, I could see this, this way as a screenplay, and I think, um, I think it's a cool, like, exercise, actually, to take maybe something you want to write into a story and, like, try and write it into, like, a screenplay, even if you ultimately are going to switch it back, just, like, each form sort of highlights, like, a different aspect, um, and I think, like, novel-wise, People get so bogged down with a number number of words, so like a screenplay or a poem is going to really like trim that down, so they can almost like work as like outline forms for each other. It's I, is on it? It's order. Um, it's on its way. <laughs> so <laughs> It will be. Yeah. Thank you, Rachel. Oh, thanks. If there are no more questions, then um, we can hang out, get some books. And thank you all for coming. Cool, thank you.